0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast which we disassemble a film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe into one-man segments, and then examine it in obsessive and occasionally hilarious detail. I'm Kyle Olson from the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society podcast.
1: Hey, and I'm Rob Cabosco, and Kyle? Yes, sir. You know, there are some things you would think government is boring, right? You would think that it's, you don't want to see how the sausage is made, because there's a lot of sausage involved. And uh, But you know what, in the last, like, several decades, we get to see things that you wouldn't normally ever think you'd ever get to see. One of them would be on February 26th, 2014. This is when Seth Rogen, yes, the actor, gave an opening statement to the Senate Subcommittee on Labor, Health, and Human Services, Education, and Related Agencies. And Seth basically was there to talk about Alzheimer's, all, funding for oh, Alzheimer's okay. research. But of course, he made it very funny. There were some references to some of the movies he's been in. I I think this is, as it was noted by, I believe, Senator Tom Harkin, this was probably the once and only time that the words knocked up were entered into the, into the Senate record <laughs> from a meeting. I mean, ridiculousness, right? And I think I can say that, uh, <laughs> so this was in that and you know, you could think back and especially in the last, maybe 20 years, I know, uh, people remember, uh, Stephen Colbert, he in character mm-hmm. one time spoke to, and this was the a house. It was a house judiciary subcommittee meeting, not the Senate, which we're like talking about in the movie right now. But why? how can we even see all of these things? They're, they're brought to us by the fine and good people at C-SPAN, the Cable Satellite Public Affairs Network, which is an American cable and satellite television network created in 1979 by the cable television industry as a nonprofit public service. It televises many proceedings of the United States federal government, as well as other public affairs programming. And yes, you, you guys didn't hear it. I'll edit it out. <laughs> that was some patriotic music playing behind me there while I said it. <laughs> um, anyway, it's awesome because that's what, I mean, when you look at this now, this scene playing out with the theatrics of conversation between warring factions, right? Mm-hmm. This plays out in our government all the time, and we get okay. to see it live thanks to C-SPAN.
0: Thank you, C-SPAN. <laughs>
1: a <laughs> really generous like product
0: it. promotion has been pervaded for no no, <laughs> no c-span we, we, we love c-span but yeah, but we just do it for the love because here we are minute 13 of iron man 2 from 2010 directed by mr john favreau uh joining the panel uh, for once again is mr ryan dalton
2: hello. hello i remember when i first discovered c-span as a kid and I thought either this show is really boring or this news item is not cutting away. <laughs> and, then <I> re- <laughs> and then, and then I, re- and then it dawned on me: oh, this is this is like this is what's going on right now, and they're just showing it to like all of showing us all of it. <laughs> this okay. is real, this is real <laughs>
0: life. Like, yeah. <laughs>
2: so that was an education right away. So good job, C-SPAN.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So, yeah, we're we're still here in the the trial of Tony Stark. Uh, He's been uh, subpoenaed and brought before the uh, Senate Armed Services Committee. Uh, And so we pick up in the middle of a sentence. So what he had said was to turn over the suit would be to turn over myself, which is tantamount to indentured servitude or prostitution, depending on what state you're in. Oh, Tony. (laughs) I'm glad he didn't say the S word because that could have gone very very badly well and the um, senator
2: falls then right into his trap yes. <laughs> when he gives him an opening to imply that senators know all about prostitution
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> come on and the audience you know responds to yeah like you say the audience is, is really on Tony's side through this whole thing well, except uh, Pepper except, except for one pepper, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so he turns to to look uh, yeah exactly and everybody else and they're all laughing and stuff too and pepper is not and he, he even i think it mouths no and she shakes her head no. But do you
1: know um, wait now do you get from this i think this moment is the first real tangible sign you're seeing legitimate flirting between tony and pepper because I think this is him looking... I've done this to my wife several times. <laughs> like, you're in a public or so, and you're making a joke. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not making the joke for everyone in the room to laugh at. I am only making that joke for my wife to laugh at or to be infuriated with me because both show my affection for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, i, I yeah. think there's a little bit of that here where he's just like really because this is all for you
0: <laughs> we talked about that <laughs> we talked about this a little bit in um in iron in uh incredible hulk as well because that is definitely the look and yeah. uh, as married men we know the look yeah yeah uh, I can't but, comment. I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, well, trust it, that's what oh, yeah. you'll that, know. That's it. You'll know. Just um, <laughs> giving other gives you the look. Um, exactly. So, uh, but then, then everything changes because the senator uh, asks to call in an expert to talk about this, and this is where the whole movie changes because. Oh, 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 oh. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest character in this entire film, Justin Hammer.
1: Woohoo.
0: I, I totally agree with that. I'm, yes. Yes. Justin Hammer is one of the greatest characters in all of the MCU and certainly the greatest character in this particular movie. He is tragically underused from here on out of the MCU. But yeah, he is my favorite in this. I really Uh, wish we saw him. Yeah, I wish we saw him
2: pop up more often because he's still good in this.
0: He could have been like a recurring foil for all the stuff. But uh, yeah, but But that's fine because it's Sam Rockwell and Sam Rockwell's doing fine. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about Sam Rockwell. Uh, He grew up in San Francisco. He went to school with Aisha Tyler and Margaret Cho. Uh, His first big movie was actually... The original live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What? Yeah, he plays he henchman, the head right? of like the yeah he plays like the head of the punk kids like that mm-hmm. the the foot are recruiting or whatever. I actually was gonna pull an audio thing of it, but the problem is is that scene has a song playing behind it, so I thought we might get tagged by the copyright cops if we tried to play it. But uh, if you remember in for the movie, and I, I I'm not surprised if you don't. Uh, there's a scene where like the uh, kids are being recruited and like uh, he's sort of taken around and they're like walking the stairs and like you can do anything you want here like you can do-. and they're like can you smoke and he like pulls out two cartons of cigarettes he goes regular menthol like that was that was sam rockwell <laughs> um and so he continued working uh, all through there his first big break though was in 1999 with the green mile but it was basically novella or the series of um, chapters uh, published in sequence by Stephen King um and then uh, of course i we know him from Galaxy Quest as uh, guy uh he was the, the the surprise villain in the original Charlie's Angels movie uh, and he also played Zaphoid Beeblebrox in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie that Disney put out. Um he's here in this movie because of Maid because he played a very small part in John Favreau's Maid and when they were putting together the list of people he wanted to meet his name was on the list and so they're like we need to find something for Sam Rockwell to do and so uh, so that leads us to an interesting conversation because when this movie was originally put together, Justin Hammer, the character, wasn't in it. Uh, originally, the the whole villain scheme was going to be totally different. It was going to be Boris Rob. Remember <gasps> Boris? Yes. Boris was going to be in this movie. The playing the part that Whiplash plays was going to be Boris, and then this character was going to be a Russian. Weapons dealer basically, like, same kind of thing, but he would have been a Russian guy coming in to talk to the senators. Uh, Glasnost, uh,
2: do, do
0: and you so think
1: he would have, he would have also <laughs>
0: had, bird? Would he he had, have had the had bird. bird? Uh, I, I don't, don't think, think he would have had, had the bird, no. uh, but then they were putting together, and so, like, what John Travel likes to do is put a list of people that he really wants to have in or to do something with together, and they they really, uh like uh, glommed onto the idea of having Sam Rockwell in the movie as a good foil for, um robert i jr like to have the two of them to play off each other stuff would be really good and so they're like oh yeah but he can't do an accent like he, <laughs> like all the talent sam rockwell has but doing a really good russian accent like this one well. no he didn't he, he, he do yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> so they rewrote the role and then so they they so the whole thing changed so like okay so then it, it separated so that like he was not in cahoots with uh the the russian you know, uh guy essentially what what became uh, Ivan. Um and he was his, his own character and then they came together you know later in the movie. Uh and so then they're like, okay, so he needs to be somebody else. So they took Justin Hammer. So Justin Hammer from the comics is actually um an older British man. Uh he was originally in Iron Man number 120 from March nineteen seventy nine, created by Bob Layton, David Michelin, and John Ramita Jr. Whew, sound JR J R. Um and so they he in the comics he, he was around for a long long time he was the guy that created a bunch of iron man's armored foes so he was the one who would create like technology and costumes for them and then send them out to defeat iron man or to to rob banks or whatever it was so he was behind people like the beetle constrictor discus leapfrog man killer porcupine stiletto water wizard like he he was like the guy who was doing that and then uh so when they did, they they sort of reimagined him to be a contemporary of Tony Stark uh, because originally he was much more of a contemporary of Howard Stark because he was uh, not that much older. Um, so they, they de-aged the character and created his own thing. And I think did a really freaking good job of it. I think it's a really good idea. I, th- I, I I think, and we'll talk about this more over the course of the thing. I think they missed an opportunity here, though, to have him be Justin Hammer Jr., Because this whole thing is about fathers and sons and legacies. So, what if he was the good son? Like, what if he did exactly what his father wanted? Or maybe even like you have a backstory of that he. To, like did a hostile takeover of his father's company and made like, so he wanted to do more than what his dad, like he's the one who, who always did through. And then you have a third legacy character. So you have Ivan and his dad issues. And then you have Tony with his daddy issues. And then you'd have Justin with a lack of daddy issues actually, because he had sort of triumphed over his father. Uh, you know, so that could have made another layer they could have done here. I think that was a, a lost opportunity. They did
2: here. Oh, but that absolutely. could have been very interesting. Another that's just, layer that's just, of mirroring.
0: Yeah, you know, at, like as Ryan knows, <laughs> as a writer, you can't help but go, you know what I would have done? <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, even in movies you love, it's uh, well. well if, if it's a movie you don't like, it's satisfying to sit there and deconstruct and rebuild it as as you would. If it's yeah. a movie you love, it's great just to play around in something you already love.
0: Yeah, uh, and so he—it's a great entrance though, because like he comes in, and just as he's like crossing the room, and you're like, "Oh, Sam Rockwell, that's interesting," and that's, "Oh, he's uh, Justin Hammer." Uh, you have uh, Tony Stark already like cutting him. Uh, right. I have observed Justin Hammer entering, and I am wondering if and when any actual expert will be in attendance. So it's like, ooh, and the, the crowd doesn't get the big reaction that the prostitution joke did. Uh, no, that's like, funny. Ooh. Yeah, that's like a, almost like a hey, Tony
2: Stark is human moment because the crowd, I think, doesn't quite know how to react to this. Like, <laughs> a, a couple of laughs, some are like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, so, his, yeah, it's almost kind of cabby. cabby.
0: It's a little cabby. Right. Like, ooh. ooh.
2: And,
1: it, and it's kind of interesting in that it's all juxtaposed. Like, you know, we get the C SPAN uh, card here, the overlay, as if like we're mm-hmm. watching the broadcast. And so we see Justin Hammer, CEO of Hammer Industries and Department of Defense, primary systems contractor, which yeah. goes all the way back to the quick little thing we saw of the Hammer Pavilion over at the Stark Expo. So yeah. all of that now has been connected. But here's what I love already about this character. And I, I, I'm i with you. I love this character. Mm-hmm. He, his inspiration, if you – I read a thing where they said that Rockwell read the comic books and he did the whole – he got the whole flamboyance, he said, of the character. The Ascot, like you said, a British – He's mm-hmm. got the ass guy. He's got the smoking robe, all that. But he plays it as a, as a guy who is super slick, mm-hmm. super suave, witty, has all it, but then always has those awkward moments where he just pushes it past the line <laughs> to where then it gets weird. And, and we'll talk about this all throughout this movie during when he, when he comes up, but here you're establishing it very quickly. And, and the one part I absolutely love in this, it's so nuanced. Mm-hmm. he tony gives him this insult
0: mm-hmm. and
1: here's justin there and he's got the water glass in his hand and he just sort of pauses acknowledges it but is going out of his way to show tony nah that's not going to throw me today
0: yeah i have that in my notes too he actually he tips his glass to him he goes like he, yes he says that and he goes like touche like okay.
1: you know because <laughs> guess yeah, what he, I'm I'm about to roll out a big uh, a big can of Whoop Daddy issues
2: on yeah. you, so <laughs> yeah.
1: so it's it's okay. I can take that.
2: Yeah, he he's so interesting to me as a character. It, just similar to what you guys said about. He always struck me as someone who desperately wanted to be cool, and yes. you could picture him almost in like if he did a flashback as like the guy like the band geek in middle school who gets tripped in the lunchroom and spills his trade. He's like, when I grow up, I'm going to show all of you. And uh-huh. and now, and now he's this huge, massively rich tycoon weapons designer. And he's almost there, but he's not, he still can't get that thing that he always wanted, that cool factor. And he tries so hard and he overcooks it and it makes it weird. Yes. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I love it. He's so much fun to watch.
0: Yeah. You can see just the, the, the Tony Stark envy. Like he just wants to be him so bad or wants to beat him. One or the other. Uh Yeah. Both. I, I, and, <laughs> yeah. And the, the thing uh, interesting that we're going to see play out over the course of this thing is that sort of now there's a, there's a perception that Justin hammer is kind of a joke that he's, he's silly or he's pathetic or all this kind of stuff. But like here in the, in these couple minutes here and in, and in, in minute 14, he is like, presents a legitimate threat because like everything he's saying, you're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's, he's right. Like he's, that's like, just like with some of the best villains, when he like lays out stuff, you go, Oh yeah, he's not wrong. He's not wrong about anything. He says, you kind of go, huh? Okay. Um, but yeah, but yeah, so he, he, so he obviously he's been insulted by Tony and he takes it and then says, absolutely. I'm no expert. I defer you, Anthony, you're the wonder boy. And it's like, Anthony, I just love it. he calls him Anthony because it automatically gives you a little bit of like there's history between these two, sure, you know he's a in calm. Tony calls him Anthony. uh I also thought it was interesting that he refers to him as uh Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, What is the secret of your powers, what is the secret of your powers Tony? Oh, my it's goodness. lasers. <laughs> oh lasers right lasers um but yeah but then the automatically the next thing he says is howard stark you're you know, like, really was an expert your father howard stark really a father to us all which was like oh that's interesting well do you get <laughs> and to the military industrial age it was like yeah that's
1: true okay all of that there is so much in that when yeah. he calls him anthony yeah who else do you think in tony stark's life called him anthony
0: I don't know. All I can think of is, is, is that, we don't really know what the yeah. history is that they like knew each other when they were young. Like I had I, this is when I was going to write fan fiction. I really wanted to do like young Tony Stark at prep school and young Justin Hammers there, too.
1: Oh, OK. Got like down, they came dude. up right. together
0: privileged as the both the sons of of, you know, people who made their their money working for the government and, and weapons and stuff, too. And like you are saying, like Justin Ambrose, the good like, can I come too? can I come too? like it you know, has all the same advantages, but just doesn't have that innate thing that Tony Stark does that cool factor. Uh, and I, then, you I, know, and he was, and then he was Anthony then. So he refers to him that way because that's how they grew up. that's my headcanon.
1: No, see, and that's, and that's a good way to look at it. I look at it is that he knows a little bit about him and his father's issues.
0: Yes. And that the yes. idea is, is that Absolutely. Uh, here's, here's,
1: here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hit you over the head three times in three seconds. I'm going to call you Anthony. <laughs> mm-hmm. When I refer reference your father, I am going to say your dad. And yeah. the way he delivers that line, it's dad, that term of endearment it's. Yeah. And then, and then to put it on. Oh yeah, because I know he wasn't really a dad to you. He was a father mm-hmm. to us all. That's basically <laughs> what he's saying. Yeah. And and Tony's reaction is I mean, his reaction is,
0: you son of a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean... But like, but but you can see he lands every one of those yes! blows. Like yes! so, like for the first time, Tony's like, okay. Okay. okay, it's okay. on.
2: <laughs> That's interesting, because I, I think we all had slightly different reads on. I think they're all viable. You know, they could all, yeah. all be oh. part of the thing. I, I read part of that. Is, and I do think the thing about, like, bringing up his dad was definitely, like, I think it was partially, like, knowing it's going to get under Tony's armor, you know, so to speak, to bring that up. Yeah. I wondered if the Anthony thing was almost a way I've seen people before try to either imply that there is sort of a friendship or an intimacy or, or establish a friendship or an intimacy by calling someone a name that nobody else calls them. Right. In that Maybe in that, maybe he's because c- uh, my read on hammer was always that he would want one of three things to, to defeat Tony, to be his best friend or to talented Mr. Ripley him and become Tony. I think one of either any three of them, would would make him happy and i that's where i almost thought like the line when he said you know your dad was like a father to us all that's almost like a thing of like hey i could be your best friend or brother or even you if you were out of the picture or things and uh, i think (laughs) i think his dysfunction just just has so many layers um that that
0: that it's fun that we all got slightly different nuances and reads yeah yeah so okay so obviously i'm kyle which is it is Ryan, is just Ryan. Rob, are you Rob or are you Robert? Oh, no, I'm or, Robert and I am a you are I'm Robert ju- and I'm a junior. Oh, oh okay. So oh, yeah. that's the thing. So, so then you have this experience of people referring to you by your given name versus your preferred name.
1: So, <laughs> yes, and, let, and let me tell you, give the us only some insight people, as,
0: as people who have you know four letter the, names that, that the, everybody just says the same way. There's only two people in my
1: life. For a long time that referred to me as Robert, and those are only under circumstance situations. <laughs> and those are my mother and uh-huh. my spouse. <laughs> <laughs> when you've done something terrible. Oh or said something terrible or not said anything at all. Or haven't done something that I was uh-huh. <laughs> I mean. Oh, when I hear Robert, uh-huh. I know I'm, <laughs> like, I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> but you know, but no, but Ryan, I think that's a great point, though, is that. He's doing the reverse, like he's using the, he's using his proper name in this situation mm-hmm. because he's trying to have a relationship. He's trying to, or even mm-hmm. just give the appearance of a relationship for the, for the purposes of the audience there. All of this is good. I mean, here's, what's great is, you know, this is an amazing scene and incredibly well written and well acted because mm-hmm. look at how much you can get out of yeah. 15 seconds.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It's pretty awesome. It's very, it's very well edited too. I love it. Yes. Um. So he says. So he continues talking about Howard Stark. He says, "Let's just be clear. He was no flower child. He was a lion." And I love that that flower child thing of just like the weapons manufacturer who doesn't make weapons. Like that's another shot across the yes. bow. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we they cut to uh, Senator Stern's get oh. you know harsh gaze, and that's where our minute comes to an end. Okay. It.
1: So you have Sterns kind of going. Well, he's it's the harsh gaze of yeah, dang, yeah, that's right. I brought my guy in. So okay, so here's here's a crazy a coincidence that that phrase, the pairing of the flower child and the lion, mm-hmm. it's been used before. Really, believe it or not, I'm gonna we're gonna do another deep dive, political deep dive. Okay. There is a Washington Post story from a uh, 1996 where a person, the author was Thomas uh, Patricelli was replying to David Broder's op-ed column about passing the torch back again. And this was during the 1996 presidential election where Bill Clinton was was basically given the flower child persona Mm -hmm. and Bob Dole was an aging lion. And that term was actually used in that race, which I was blown away. I was like, is that a coincidence? Because that's such an odd, right? I wonder if there was any influence in using that terminology in here because it it did have that whole thing I mean if you remember the, the race in 96 and you're paying attention yeah that was a big that was a big thing between this was truly the passing of a generation literally we know what was going to happen later but you know <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we had this definite you know Bill Clinton representing the baby boomers Bob Dole representing the World War II generation mm-hmm. and how that was going and they were wondering well what is this going to be you know we've seen what this has been like with Bill Clinton and it was and it was literally that terminology flower child or lion
0: hmm I would not wow. be surprised. I, w- I would put that on, at uh, at Justin Thoreau. Like I would yeah, think that right. that probably something he did in doing his research. Something came across, and we, we have a question for him. Maybe, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll call him. Hold on. We'll right. yeah. yeah, let's get him on the line. Hey Siri, call Justin Thoreau. <laughs> Very nice.
2: Justin Thoreau has blocked you. <laughs> Still again.
0: <Man. laughs> oh. Just because of the fanfic I wrote about Charles yeah. Angels Three, I mean, <laughs> I sent him art. Oh, well. oh. <laughs> but anyway, so so we'll we'll find out uh, how Tony Stark recovers from this this uh, political body blow uh, in minute fourteen. I hope he, he responds said, with a combo him breaker a, a c- 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 combo c- c- combo breaker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, In the meantime, uh, if you want to uh, get in your your own uh, best favorite political takedowns you can do so over on discord we have our very own discord server uh, nextreel.com slash discord you can uh, join for free which is the best price to pay for things um uh you, we have uh, dedicated movie channels to all of our different shows including this very show uh, and then all the others where you can get in on all the different conversations going on all the different things so whatever you want to talk about we are there we are available you can join us uh th- thank you once again ryan dalton for uh, for sitting in with us thank you had a blast I'm glad, and then stick around because there's there's still more Justin Hammer action coming at you. Uh, so be back here for minute 14. Enough said. Bye.